How about that cigar? Guys, good evening. It is Tuesday night, our favorite night of the week, and I want to welcome you to episode number 33 of How About That Cigar Live. We are here on Facebook. Please take a few minutes, if you would, share us out to your favorite Facebook cigar groups and uh, get online right away, and you can start asking questions, leaving comments in there. Uh, thanks also to you who are listening to us on the audio podcast platform. Uh, we appreciate you giving us your time while you listen to us on episode number 33. As always, How About That Cigar Live is brought to you from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. And let's tell you about the Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented. It is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes or bundles of tobacco, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added while immense pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two to three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkles Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick-and-mortar Drew Diplomat Retailers. So, guys, thanks again for joining us on episode number three. You may notice this evening that there is no one to my right. Uh, Garrett has a uh, family obligation this evening. He uh, he remembered uh, frighteningly toward the last minute that uh, tonight is his wife's birthday, and that is an event for those of us who have wives that you do not want to miss. So make sure those of you who have a lovely wife that you treat her right and celebrate her birthday. Uh, so some of the things we talk about a little bit at the beginning of every show, um, it's a little sad to talk about this week because uh, if you're a fan of any team in the NFC North, myself being a Green Bay Packers fan, Garrett being a Minnesota Vikings fan, and I have lots of friends who are Detroit Lions fans and Chicago Bears fans, Every single team in the NFC North lost this week. It was not a good week for the NFC North. So if, uh, you know, if you're a fan of one of those teams, it's time to lick our wounds, move on to next week. Um, we're sort of following the Minnesota Wilds. Uh, you know, it's our favorite hockey team around here. They were really horrible, struggling like crazy at the beginning of the season. But fortunately, they're turning things around a little bit. They're still, I think, going to have – uh, so-so season, but I've really been impressed a little bit over the past few games by the way they've been playing. I think they're improving, so we just have to wait and see how that goes. Um, we want this evening to welcome a brand new sponsor, and uh, we're as we move into our first segment with our well, uh, with our special guests this evening. Um, they're going to sponsor this segment. And I want to thank so much uh, to our new sponsor, Corona Cigar Company. Uh, so Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com is the Internet's largest and easy to easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in being cigar fanatics just like you and me. That is why you will find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Choose from fabulous brands like Padron, Davidoff, Fuente, and hundreds more. Named by Forbes magazine in the best of the web list, voted as a top five Internet cigar retailer by Smoke magazine and called the largest best stocked cigar shops in America by Cigar Aficionado. 
If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. Uh, for more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So, guys, episode number 33 of How About That Cigar. As you know, we've had some fabulous guests. We've been really excited to uh, to have some guests recently, and this evening is no exception. Uh, this is a brand and a person that I got to know in, over the past few years, and it's uh, it's something that we're really excited to bring to you this evening. And if you would please, along with us here at How About That Cigar, please welcome Mr. Rainier Lorenzo from HVC Cigars. Rainier, good evening. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show, Matt. We are really excited to have you with us. And so it turns out that, um, you know, in this in this great business of premium cigars, you know, one of the best things we love to do is sit down with people like yourself and learn about stories, learn about where people came from, learn about what it is that that got them into the premium cigar business. And one of the things that I love so much about your story is that, you know, because if you look at the world of premium cigars, obviously it's it's almost impossible to trace them back without going through Cuba. And you actually spent the majority of your life growing up in Cuba. So if you would talk us through what that experience was like for you. You know, you moved to the States when you maybe, what was it, about 10 years ago? 11 years ago. 11 years ago. So uh, talk yes. us through what uh, what what your life was like early on growing up in Cuba. I mean, it was great. I mean, can't go wrong. Like, really happy family. Yeah. I grew up in Havana. It's a city that, you know, that carries the name of my company, HBC. So everything I do inspired me where really I grew up. Yeah. Down there. But I mean, I just like really happy grew up down there in, in Cuba. And um, so what was it that brought you to the United States? I mean, my family was here already. And I don't know if you like between Cuba and United States, it's called family unification. So your family, American citizens, they can, would say like, yes, they can give you a call to you. And you, you can come to the States. Okay. And, and so that me, was... Actually, it uh, really was... And for me, it was amazing experience. You know, like really happy to be here, living in this country. Great America. I mean, actually, when I was there, I was in in medical school, in my first year of medical school in Cuba. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes just to get out in Cuba, you are a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, they give you a little travel with that. I remember, like, I spent almost four or five months just to go to the principal school to send, uh, to sign me a letter to get out of the country. Okay. And always what? was something, you know, always was something this happened. Hey, please, come on. So you said while, uh, toward the end, the last few years while you were there, you were in medical school. Were you, did you have, at, um, did you have dreams of being a doctor one day? Yeah. 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 Um, now I heard. I, I I think I heard on another interview that we you were on that that you actually worked as a veterinarian for a while. Is that right? It's, yeah, I was working at a genetics company there when I was living in Wisconsin. 
I was living there for seven years and I was working for a generis company there because I have a background in veterinary back when I was in Cuba before I went to medical school. Okay. And so we have to talk about this just because we are both fans. You lived in Wisconsin for, for about seven years and you are also, a, uh, along with myself, a great, huge Green Bay Packers fan. Is that right? Yes, I am. Yes, yes, that is a. I love that coffee mug. That might be the most beautiful coffee mug I've ever seen. So was it? Was it just uh, when you arrived? Sorry, and- it, for me, it was quite a unique experience. And the way, like, I mean, if you are Cuban, if you came to United States, you're supposed to stay in Miami, not to go to Wisconsin. What was that so like? I, I want, that- it was like in the beginning. It was quite a chat to me. You know, I remember it was December 2008, and it was really, really cold. First time I saw snow in my life, and I was like, what the hell is this? You know, I remember back in Havana, like talking to my friend, oh, my God, Havana is always really hot. Yeah. Like, here in Miami, and, like, my body were like, you know, you you talk, and they were like, I want to live in Canada, or I want to live there in Norway, it's cold. I mean, I was living there for seven years, and it's, it's enough for me. It's so, really cold. So you went from one of the like, hottest places on earth to one of the coldest places on earth overnight. And actually, for me, that transition, it was, for my personal experience, it was great. Yeah. To live in there for seven years, it, it was amazing. Really good friends out there. I met amazing people out there. They are still my friends today. It was really, now, and actually you and you and you and you are really big in baseball, baseball and soccer. Yeah, that was really so. And I start learning football out there. That's really how I became a Packers man. Okay. And were you were you interested in cigars? Were you a cigar consumer or somebody who loved premium cigars while you were in Cuba, or or did that come after you left Cuba? No, that, that that's what actually after I left Cuba. Okay. I I remember I used to go back to my family farms. That's in the middle of Cuba. It's called Camaway. Uh, it's like this. It's like you say it's Texas here. It's a big cattle, right? So, and I remember my aunts and my cousins smoking cigars there. But just the cheapest cigars, the one that you buy for one dollar, you buy twenty five. Just they they call them the bodegas. There in Cuba, not really the premium cigars. And sometimes I remember, just because every summer I used to go there for my my, my my vacation. So that was my usually my favorite spot to go for vacation, to work in there in the farm. And I remember a couple of times just got a cigar and just give you a puff. But usually the first time really I enjoy a premium cigar, it was in Havana in a party. And it was the Cuba Siglo Six. I was in a party and a guy. It was giving a cigar sour, and I remember was smoking one. I, I think I was, I must remember, 18 or 19 by that time. And I looked at the cigar and I said, wow, I, I don't know what is this, but this is really good. You know, the flavor, not really yeah. heavy, nice. Wow. I was really enjoying that. Actually, that was, I can say, that's my favorite Cuban cigar. The Cohiba Siglo Six. 
that's a really good way to start. I mean, if, if you're going to have, you know, go back in time and say, what was the free first premium cigar you ever had to say a Cohiba Siglo six, that's, that's a pretty good way to start. I mean, life, life is crazy, you know, because I mean, when I came here, that's when really started knowing about tobacco. Like I remember when Eduardo Fernandez, the owner, so I also invited me to go to Nicaragua in 2009 and he gave me a, you know, super nice tour all around all he found. I remember we went to Jalapa even when I really fell in love with the other process. And by that time, I was not even a star HVC yet because we started HVC in 2011. You know, that got in my mind and I was like, just let's do it. Yeah. Um, so you said it started in 2011. What was out of all the, cause you have quite a few different cigars right now. What was the first cigar that you released that carried the HVC name? The first election. Okay. That was my first cigar, the city. The first election that was my first cigar. I remember that was in, in Orlando. The last IPCPR in Orlando, I think that was in 2013. Because by that time, I was still working in the Generis company there in Wisconsin. And my, in my free time, I used to go around the, the Chicago area, Michigan area, Indiana, just visiting shops, introducing the HBC first election. And do you remember how many... Um, how many of that first production did you have? Did you have made? I can tell you that I was actually it's a funny story right there. By that time, I don't have any a booth, so and Eduardo said, "Yeah, you can put your cigars here in the Ganol Salif booth, the Casa Fernandez." By that time, and I made two hundred boxes. And I sold at the show probably about, I think, about 110 boxes. And I was really pissed off. <laughs> and I was and I was like, you know what? Like, I want to sell my thing. I remember my family talked to me and say, just, just you got to relax. You know, nobody knows you in the business. Yeah. Nobody knows BG, nobody where you're coming from. And you come here and you sell the size of boxes. And just that, that's the way it is. So how did you feel when, you know, you launched the brand? Um, were you nervous about starting that brand? And if, if, if so, you know, when did, when did you sort of calm down and when did you ease into it and say, okay, this is, this feels right. This feels like this is the line of work that I was, that I was meant for. I mean, like always like go back to Cuba when you grew up, I think you grew up really entrepreneur. Like, you know, you want to do things. That's, that's in my inside natural human being, you know? So that you want to do something that you really like. And and I remember years ago when I started doing this, the HBC full time, and say, you know what, this is what I want to do. Because it was for almost like, I've been in the business for almost nine years. But I really started doing it full time, just being almost... 2015, really doing, yeah. get out there and meet some jobs and get out and start doing it really full time. So at some point in your yeah. life, you say, because I started the business with 26 years old, I'm 34 today. And you say, well, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to push. 
I really enjoy I really love doing what I do and And how did you along the way how did you develop the relationships with uh, people at Casa Fernandez and Aganor Salif? How did that progress? No, my family has been working for them for almost 20 years. That's really how I get in the tobacco business. Okay. Even I even I don't was in the tobacco business in Cuba, you know, because most people think if you are Cuban, you are in the tobacco business in Cuba. Well, that's not my case. Yeah. I was not really in the tobacco business in Cuba. I think a lot of people assume that they, you know, somebody comes from Cuba and they're in the, I mean, for for you, it's a special, special kind of a, a case because you, you were born and raised in Cuba and you, you've been in the States, you know, for all this time now. And people probably just assume that you, your, that your family in the cigar business goes back, you know, 10 generations probably. Usually when you know, when you go around and tell people to ask a question, and I always make sure I just I talk about what really HVC how we came from. And and HVC for those of us for those who are watching and don't really know HVC actually stands for Havana City, and it's a tribute to the to the city of Havana. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And you see almost every line that I have, is you got to go back to where I'm from. I mean, you got the HVC Cerro. Cerro is one of the oldest neighborhoods in Cuba. Just a really nice medium body cigar. I would like to say a Cuban style. Because for me personally, I really I don't I never been a guy I think when you smoke my cigars, a full full body guy. I think I always think that, that that's my palate. My palate is medium, medium full. That's what I'm built for. Yeah. And what's what would you say, so out of out of the lines of cigars you have, take us through, you know, from the first selection to to this these that you, you sent to us, which we're really grateful for, smoking the uh the five hundredth anniversary right now. And this is yeah, for the it. this is for the uh this is basically for the birthday of, of the city of Havana, is that correct? Yes, five hundred anniversary of Havana. Yeah, two years ago I, I noticed that we call them the five hundred and I said, Well I want to do something special just for with the 20,000 cigars just cigar. but at the same time when I was in my mind I always I say this like I, I, I never want to put out cigar out there that I really I don't I don't enjoy I mean like again let's go by being in the beginning of nine years if you look my portfolio is not really big my portfolio is still so small even in the size too I don't have like 30, 40 lines out there. It's like every time I want to make sure I put a production, a cigar dollar, something that's quite unique to me and, and, and something personal to me too. And so you've got the, um, uh, I want to say, is it six lines that you have right now? Right now we have nine and we nine. do a few limited editions a year. Because think about like the La Rosa 520, that's a limited edition cigar. Every year we do small productions, different size for just a limited edition cigars. And we got the Black Friday that we do just limited edition, a small production, just one time a year as well. Yeah. And the, uh, 
the one that the tell us about the broadleaf cigar because that I I think you'd agree that's the one in your portfolio that's the cigar that is the most full bodied it's not it's not as strong as a lot of other stuff that's out there on the market but that cigar has it has real depth and real real you know uh it's got weight to it it's got punch to it and um what led you to go ahead and sort of go a little bit higher on the on the on the body level with that cigar no because i mean we actually the broad leaf that we use as a viso it's a wrapper classification viso that we use so and i remember the first time we there we did just 500 boxes exclusive for the ipcpr last year and I say, well, one of my abroad leaf, but I don't want my abroad leaf that most people would think is really a full, full body cigar. I want to come out with a leaf that I think most in the medium cigar smoker can try and can really enjoy that cigar. Yeah. Because sometimes you have a guy that really smoke a medium body cigar when you give something really full, full, he don't enjoy it at all. Right. So, and I think when I create that bro leaf, I create thinking, like I say, oh my cigar, just always I talk about, I think I'm wrong, but I, I don't blame for people. I blame for myself. And when I say this, I blame for myself. As I, I am really a cigar smoker. I just, I like to wake up. I like to have a cigar. I like to enjoy it. And so with that particular cigar, the broad leaf, that's when I come to my mind and say, I want to create a broad leaf that most people can enjoy it. Because sometimes that happened to me a lot of times. You go to a cigar shop, and when they see a really dark wrapper, a lot of cigars smoke it, they are afraid to. They yeah. say, no, that's too heavy for me. I say, well, just, just give it a try, and you will see it. And I have a lot of those guys that really believe me, and when they try, they say, well, you were right. I yeah, really man. enjoyed that cigar. That's one of the things we've talked about here on the show before with some different people is that's that's such a common misunderstanding with uh with people in in the even people who are experienced cigar smokers they they a lot of times have this incorrect notion that that a, a dark wrapper leaf is automatically going to mean it's a very strong cigar and that's really not true i mean the, i mean maybe i'm not the, the right guy to talk about that because probably like if you would say 20 years ago maybe you can see in the market, you know, like a lot of dark cigars that were really heavy and people were like not really enjoying them. That, that, that's maybe why, because I don't know, sometimes you see a consumers just thinking on that way. Even the 2015, the special edition 2015, that's, I would like to say in a scale from one to 10, it can be in seven or eight for some people. But not yeah. really heavy, a heavy smoke. And sometimes I give you a guy and say, hey, try this Maduro. So well, I don't smoke Maduro. I say, no, please try it. And you will see it. And the guy came back to me and say, wow, I really, really like it. Yeah, that's and that's that's another thing to remember is every there there are so many cigars on the market and there's so many different leaves to choose from when you're when you're blending a cigar, but there's also there are so many different types of cigar smokers out there. And everybody has a different level. So like you said, one guy, you know, th there are some cigar smokers out there who could smoke this cigar 
and bl- be blown away by it because maybe they they've only smoked you know a few cigars in their life and they haven't really they haven't really built up uh uh div- mm-hmm. you know they haven't really gotten a palate uh put together yet but then there's going to be guys like me who um you know I smoke this cigar and it's got in it's got incredible amounts of flavor but it's 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 deep and it's rich but it's not strong and and that's one of the things that uh you have to remember every cigar smoker is going to have a little bit different palate i mean me i really like the sweetness yeah it really is nice. and i'm i'm drinking this uh this uh pale ale beer which has a little bit of a funkiness a little bit of a bite to it and the the mm-hmm. cigar is is a nice balance because the cigar has sweetness um that really contrasts the 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 bite and the funkiness of the beer really nicely oh. Um, I mean, always, so, always, I always, I say to, to the consumers like this, like, you got to try it. You got to be yeah. open to your palate. That's the way we do when we go out there to Nicaragua. And when I say, well, we want to create things like less smoke, right? To see how the tobacco came along. Yeah. Because like they say, the, tab- the tobacco speaks to you. How, well, how the tobacco speaks to you? You smoke it, you will see the tobacco red. Hey, this has a lot of sweetness. Did you not dry my mouth a little bit? I got a little bit of cocoa here or a little bit of coffee. Sometimes people got that. So you got to try it. If you don't yeah. try it, that's the only way you, you got to figure out what you really like. Yeah. And and taking taking chances is what consumers, that's what we have to do sometimes. Is When we're in a humidor and we're presented with dozens, hundreds of different selections in front of us, we have to be willing to we have to be willing to take a chance sometimes and, and reach for a cigar that, that we maybe have never heard of reach for a cigar that maybe looks darker than we'd normally smoke, even reach for a cigar that looks lighter than we'd normally smoke. Because in a lot of cases we're going to be surprised and, and we'll be, we'll, we'll end up finding a new cigar to put in our regular rotation that we love that we otherwise never would have taken a chance on. So you have to, you have to take a, you know, Take a leap of faith and uh, try something new. Sometimes, I mean, and I say always, Dick, when 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 you see a cigar, you gotta look like construction, flavor, balance, and clean finish. For me, that's four steps in a cigar. That you look these four steps that can give you an idea, and the other thing you gotta just figure out your palate. Yeah. Yeah. Every everybody's got to got to figure out where where their sweet spot is, and once they figure that out, even even once you narrow that in, even in that narrow range, there's going to be so much good stuff out there to try. And that's one of the nice things about your lines is, you know, whether it's the um, whether it's this new cigar or whether it's um, the the La Rosa Five Twenty, whether it's the Pan Caliente. Um, tell me about that cigar because that was actually the first HVC cigar I ever smoked was the Pan Caliente. You know, the Pan Caliente, that's a cigar. It used to be made at Raices Cubana's factory. We all got also tobacco. So last year we changed the production to Taxa factory down there in Italy. So actually that's one of my favorite in my life. They say, I want to come out with a cigar. And I remember when I say Pan Caliente, Right, right there in the factory, people say, "What are you doing, pan caliente?" I, say, I want to put it in the pan caliente because the to- 
the tobacco that we use is really high end, and the price in the cigar is unbelievable. It's nice medium body cigar. You can smoke almost any time of the day. I would like because sometimes people don't realize Saganorsa. We only work with tobacco from Esteli and Jalapa. We don't use me personally. My blends. I don't use any more tobacco. Just Esteli and Jalapa. Me personal, I go more in the Jalapa region. I'm really big fan of the Jalapa region. It's not really heavy, not really spicy. Even sometimes you can go in that flavor profile, but Jalapa usually you got creamy, you got sweetness. So in the Pan Caliente line, I say nice medium body cigar. Do any time of the day you can really enjoy. The size, the ally, I would like to see that about, probably in a Lancero. Because right now we have only three sizes. And you know what? Every time right now I come to the cigar shop and the people know HBC, they say, hey, when you wake him out with a Lancero? You know, so you, you got Coronas, you got Robusto, you got Choros. I, say, well, I would like to try to see in the, the Pan Caliente Lancero how Dublin wake him out. So you do get that question a lot? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I know there are, because, you know, that we, we call ourselves, uh, you know, cigar nerds and Garrett, who's not with us tonight. He, uh, he loves Lanceros. He, he, uh, he, 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 he's one of those cigar nerds who, uh, you know, he, he's probably that guy who would ask you that question. He would say, when are you going to come out with a Lanceros? <laughs> is that uh, is, is that something that you've have you tried any test blends with Lanceros and, and just decided it wasn't the right you know the right fit for you or or have you not even tried to put together I, a Lancero? I, I try a few things, but I I, I got it. I, I I have to figure out which one I want to come out with. Yeah, I suppose maybe yeah, next year will be quite a, all the blends. Maybe, maybe next year will be. Maybe next year will be quite a few surprises out there with Lancero <laughs> Collection from HBC out there. <laughs> I like that. No, I I know we will not be disappointed if if uh, if a Lancero comes out with the uh, with the HBC name, especially if a Lancero comes out with the with the Pen Caliente name. I don't think anybody's going to be upset by that. I think we'll be happy about that. Um. So. You mentioned the, the, the flavor profile, you know, that, that medium profile with sweetness and, and balance. And, and that really speaks a lot to, at least as far as I think it, that speaks to classic, uh, Cuban flavor profiles, you know, the Cubans that, uh, that so many people know and love so well. What is it about that? that Cuban flavor profile that is so important to you to capture in your blends and what kind of, you know, you said you, you, you rely a lot on Jalapa. Um, what is it about the region of Jalapa that gives the tobacco, those characteristics that fall into those sort of classic flavor profiles that you like so much? I mean, in the end of the day, remember, everything is, is in the soil. Sometimes people confuse fermentation. Fermentation don't give flavor to cigar. Fermentation is to burn, to propagate the tobacco. The flavor is coming and ready in the soil. 
So the soya and the jalapa, if you see when you compare it to Esteli, is completely different. In Esteli, you got dark, heavy. So when you go to Jalapa, even it's like only like almost three hours away. So you got more sandy, more loose in the soil. That's what gives you, even it's like in Cuba and Pina de Rio. The best tobacco that you can see in Cuba is coming from that region, San Juan and Martinez. And when you see the soil right there, it's completely different. So I, I say this like always, like, if you take tobacco from city regions, completely different. And the fermentation process, you do the same thing. Guarantee you 100% the flavor profile on this is completely different. And why? Because the flavor is already in the soil. That's why you see Nicaragua have a special soil for cigars. Dominican Republic does the same thing. Cuba have a special soil. You know what I mean? Like, how? Yeah. Sometimes I want to give more out there and I try to play because sometimes people get like no it's just the soil yeah and have you so because i've i've been to i've been to esteli and i've seen farms in esteli and you're right the the soil is is this deep black color it's really dense rich soil um that that holds it holds its shape and then when you go to uh, Jalapa, you said it's looser, a little bit more sandy. Um, and then you go to other areas of Nicaragua, like Ometepe, with you know that you know the volcano and the. Uh, I would assume, although I haven't been there, you know that soil because one of the things I've noticed from from Ometepe tobaccos is they tend to have a lot of earthiness. The the they taste like they almost taste like rock or soil. Um, so what, and I assume in the past, maybe you've, you've tried out some, some different blends and you say, oh, let's, let's maybe try to throw a little tobacco from this region or that region in there. And you try it and you just, it just doesn't work for your palate. Cause like you said, you like to blend cigars for yourself, which I think is a great, uh, I think it's a great way to go. And if you have, there been times that you've tried cigars or sorry, tried tobaccos from other regions and, as good as the tobacco is, you say, this just doesn't work for, for the, what I want out of this cigar. You're right, Matt. You're right. You're right. You try some things and you say, like, let me try to come out with something different. Like the same thing we talked before about the broadly. I say, well, maybe I can, maybe that's not for me. You know what I mean? Like, I can say, well, I want to try a broadleaf. I want to come out with a broadleaf, but I don't find something really to satisfy my palate yet. So you yeah. gotta try it. You try different regions to see how we're seeing. I always compare when you blending as I mean I, I like to cook. So it's like you are in the kitchen and you are trying different ingredients, right? And you try to put together something and then they got flavor, they got balance, and you will really enjoy it. Yeah. So when I am down there trying the tobacco, it's like you are in the kitchen, smoking this, smoking that, to see what come out. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Even you have, that happened to us a lot of time. You got a lot of good tobacco and you put it together and the blend doesn't come out. Yeah. And maybe that because that's not for me, but that tobacco can work in other blends. 
Um, so with the with the broadleaf, how many different? Because, like you said, it's a viso broadleaf. Uh, how many different types of broadleaf did you try before you landed on that particular priming? Before you landed on that particular, you know, color grading. You know, because some of them are going to be a lot heavier. Some of them are going to be a lot earthier. Some of them will have a little more sweetness. Um, wh- how many different gradings of broadleaf did you go through before you landed and said, this is definitely the one for this cigar? I remember we went to Naxa. So we get the, the broadleaf from Gustavo Cura. So, and I tried Seco, Ligero, and Viso. And different primings. And when I got to the Viso, I said, you know what? This is the one that want to like it. I really like the flavor. I really like how I took them out. I want to go with this one. And was... So we bring the Broleaf. Because remember, the production and the Broleaf. Wait, wait, let's remember we are super small company of cigar. We are not really a mass-produced cigar company. So with the Broleaf, we may use 40,000 cigars when they came out for regular production cigars. So you, you know what I'm saying right there? Like, we are not yeah. really like, say, hey, give me like, you know, like thousands of bells just because I yeah. want them out. We're just uh, talking about just a small production. They, for us, it's working quite well. Well, and that, we that, really that, that's actually, that's actually one of the benefits to being being a smaller being a smaller company where you're gonna make you're you're gonna make a thousand boxes instead of fifty thousand boxes, or you'll make you'll make five thousand boxes instead of fifty thousand boxes because then I would imagine you go to select your tobaccos and when you find what you like, you also look at do they have enough to make do they have enough quality you know of this of this priming this color grading this quality do they have enough for me to make 5000 boxes of this cigar where another company who's massive can say do they have enough of this cigar to make 200000 boxes of this cigar and a lot of times they See, you don't have to compromise on quality because no, you're so, making. Uh, I think if, if if you do and die, then you will put a lot of garbage out there. That that's the way I think. Yeah, so that that's the way I will, I will see though, because it's like one of the most important things in this business consistency. The same cigar that we're smoking today, you want to smoke ten years later from now, you want to make sure the same cigar. I mean, yeah. you're doing something with a regular production line, though, so that's something that you really have to manage. So, um, we kind of started on this earlier, but we never really got all the way there. Take us through one by one each of the different blends you have on the market, and give just a little description for the viewers and the listeners on what they can expect to get out of that cigar when they find it on a shelf in their in their shop. Think about the. Let's start with the HBC Cerro. So in the Cerro, we have a Cerro Corojo 99, and we have a Cerro Maduro, San Andres Maduro. 
So in the several line, you're looking just nice medium body cigar. Probably I would like to say green gay six, got sweetness, not heavy at all. Just for a beginner, the one started smoking cigar, the several is a perfect night. Now if you want something a little more up in flavor, just you can jump in the Cerro Maduro line. Same blend, but just different wrappers. So you can taste Corojo 99 and you can taste San Andres Maduro wrapper. And always remember, all the tobacco that we use is Esteli and Jalapa. Let's talk about the San Isidro line. And the San Isidro line was the first cigar that we came out with a banner wrapper. First time we had something back fresh. That's the only line that we use back fresh tobacco. Medium full, you're talking about spicy on it, just right out the gate, you got a lot of spices on it. Medium full, like I said before, great flavor. And just the cigar for now is coming in three sizes. Let's talk about the La Rosa 520. Probably La Rosa 520, that's the most Cuban style cigar that I have in my portfolio. We don't use Ligero and that's about all. We use Viso and Seco. So 100% from the Jalapa region. You got creamy, you got really, not leather, like, uh, how can I say this word, like, oh my God, I got it right here, right in my thumb. I hate me out here, Mike. No, <laughs> that, that, that happened, I got the flavor right here, it's not. You got that one here, like, uh, floral. Floral, yeah. You got, fl yeah, you got floral nose. So, always, and the other thing, La Rosa for me is quite more a cigar to me. That was my address in Cuba. It's really personal to me. And that particular, that's why it's only been super regular production cigar for us. And then let's jump in the 2015. Probably one of the most medium food bodies I have in my portfolio with San Andres Maduro Robert. You got a lot of sweetness. You got chocolate. So, so great, great medium food body cigar to enjoy after dinner. So you got the 2018, same blend that we have with the 2015, but you got with Corojo 99 wrapper. And just remember, I can also grow only Corojo and Criollo 98. So it's Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 wrapper. That's all they grow and that's great for all blends. Yeah. So right now we got that one. We talk about already the Pan Caliente one. And now this was one that I really enjoy right now. The yeah, and it, anniversary. And it's it, I gotta one. say, it's 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 a brilliant cigar. I've I've been enjoying it uh, so much right now. I mean, since I came out with this building, I said, "Wow, I really, I really enjoy." It. Actually, I was the other day. I was at the Water Houses, another salif here in Miami, and I was talking to Terrence, and he said, "Wow, you're really talking about a lot." A lot about this 500, I said, you, Terrence, I really like the blend. So when he got one, I said, let's try one. And he was smoking, saying, wow, I really like it. And I say, because this reminds me really a nice Cuban smoke. I yeah. say, not heavy, medium, clean in your mouth. So it's, I love it. And it's, uh, one of the things I like about it is, um, like you said, there's, you get little hints of that sort of, floral note but there's also little hints of like uh something that reminds me a little bit of citrus you know oranges or lemons a little bit and it's uh yeah it's i really really like it a lot and so, so sometimes, sometimes i see my palate not really like you know i i see people like the galara 
I don't know the, the right word to say for that. Like you can see people like you say, like you got citrus, you got this, you got that. Like I wish my palate can be a little more out there for that kind of flavors. Well, and it's and that's just me. And it's it may to to one or ten other guys, it may not be citrus. It may, that same that same sort of characteristic to their palate may taste like something other than citrus. That's just the way. That's just the you way. You got a lot of people out there. You got a lot of people out there that really got the, the cocoa nose, the, the the coffee nose. Yeah, uh, uh, I got a welcome to the show. My partner's here. Garrett made it all the way from his wife's birthday party. So Garrett, hey. Rainier, Rainier, hey, Garrett. Rainier. How you Brother, doing, Garrett? I'm doing well. And uh, I was fortunate enough to listen to the whole show on the way up here. And if we could back up just a little bit and talk more about this Lancero <laughs> situation. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. So maybe next year <laughs> I can, we can be a little surprise out there. <laughs> I hear you love Lanceros. Oh, man. Matt nailed it on the head that uh, Lanceros are my jam. And to see a Lancero with uh, HVC on it would would make my life happy. Um, but I will they, tell they you. Lanceros, they, they see Lanceros. They are for really for uh, cigar smokers. That's right. Yeah. The, the wrapper to filler and binder ratio is just uh, the sweet spot for me. I know Matt is a Korean guy, but you know. Yeah, I usually I usually love forty six ring gauge. To me, is perfect. That's that's my uh, I could smoke forty six ring gauges all day. I mean, I'm I love all sizes of cigars, and I'll I'll even although it's rare, I'll even smoke a sixty ring gauge from time to time. But forty six, there's just something about that ring gauge to me that's that's perfect. But I I love all of it. And I want to kind of echo your. Uh, citrus um, notes here because right before you said that, I was like, man, this is uh this is like a, a, almost a grapefruity citrus, not like, not like a, a bright lemon or lime, but more of a, uh, a subdued citrus. And I'm really digging it. But the sweetness is the thing that oh, I, yeah. there, there's, there's such a pronounced, sweetness from this cigar especially on the retrohale when you let a little bit of the smoke out through the nose that sweetness there's there's not a lot because a lot of times you retrohale the cigar and it's there's so much pepper and and it's there's so much spice burn, that burn nose. Here in your nose. Yeah. but this one really it's there's there's a little bit of heat but mostly it's just sweetness and it just lands in a good spot i All love right. it well we're gonna give her a I mean, for, for, for me it's always like when you smoke OHVC, sweetness is really important to me and the blends. i always looking for sweetness and my blends and the cigars. Yeah, and, and you can tell that. And honestly, even even in even in the broadleaf, there's there's a sweetness there. And broadleaf is nice because broadleaf broadleaf is one of those tobaccos that that I love so much because you can you can get so much from it. It's broadleaf. If it's a good quality broadleaf crop, it's going to have sweetness and earthiness in the same in the same leaf. Uh, that's and that's one of the reasons that I that I love it so much. And that really comes through, especially with the you know the fact that you've talked about using a, a lot of jalapa in your blends. You can you you get the the sweetness from the filler 
and also a little bit of that that sort of darker sweetness from the broadleaf in the in that uh, in that broadleaf cigar of yours, definitely. Um, the, the the other thing that we're talking about sweetness right now, and you know, I was thinking like, it's funny like when you see the sweetness of the broadleaf, you know, you got sweetness, but when you go to the corojo one and you got sweetness as well. And when you jump in a bottle, you got sweetness as well, but just different kind of sweetness. Yes, exactly. You never realize that, like you got sweetness, but when you really start to smell, then you feel in your mouth, you say, wow, I got sweetness, but it's quite different, quite the sweetness. It's still, you really enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, and I got to put this comment up on screen from one of our viewers. This is David Crawford. We call him Big Pickle. He's big good. He, Pickle. He's a good friend of ours, and he he's a big Chicago Bears fan. He puts sweetness up on here because <laughs> he's probably thinking of uh, Walter Payton. But uh, yeah, he uh, he's a huge Chicago Bears fan. I'm sorry about your team, Pickle. I'm I'm sorry your team sucks this year. But um, the way the Green Bay Packers played on Sunday. The Green Bay Packers played like a bunch of 10-year-olds on Sunday. It was oh, horrible. my God. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on. I think they, they party too much the night before. Yeah, that was. That <laughs> was they were probably partying with the Vikings. Well, the, the Vikings <laughs> actually put up a fight. The Vikings, I mean, the Vikings lost, but they, they were competitive, at least in the game. The, the Packers were just. Not really. Oh, my gosh. It was terrible. Yeah. It's the worst <laughs> game I've seen them play in years. Straight up awful. Um, so I'm curious about this um, before we go into our next section. I'm I'm curious about you know your your Cuban roots, and you said you know we can talk a little bit about all the things going on with the FDA and and people's right to smoke cigars maybe fading away and being in jeopardy and things like that. You talked about the reason you know, for coming to the United States was for freedom. And unfortunately we're seeing maybe some of those freedoms in jeopardy. Um, looking back at Cuba and where you came from and where you spent most of your life, do you ever see yourself um, going back to Cuba full time or do you consider the United States your home now? I mean, right now I consider the United States my home. Yeah. Yeah. So when you see Cuba, how size right now is, I mean, it's, it's impossible to me consider. I mean, it's always with me. You know what I mean? Like, whatever I go, Cuba is with me because that's where really where I'm from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For your question, United States is my, my home right now. Yeah. Do you miss Cuban coffee? Not really. Yeah, you can get Cuban coffee in the States. I know you can get it. Right? Here in Miami, here in Miami, you can get really good Cuba. I mean, the, the, the Cuba, the coffee that we got here is not even Cuba. Yeah. I had uh, Cuban coffee for... Which one? Know, pretty, uh, well, it's a good question. I don't know what, what brand it was. My uh, I had a roommate who... He was Cuban. His mother always had Cuban coffee. And when I grew up, we had, it was um, uh, motor oil is what we drank for coffee. That's how my dad made it. So, 
It's so dark. And then um, I had my friend Jose's Cuban coffee and dude. The first the first time I tried Cuban coffee, oh. it was like it was it was like revolutionary. It was the first time I tried You're Cuban coffee. Absolutely accurate. It, the, the the way we drink coffee, you know, is really concentrate, really heavy. The way they do the blends, right? When you it, see it, the way the, Amer- the you see the way the American coffee is it's not really heavy at all. American coffee is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, American coffee is just, and and this is so for me, you know, growing up with, uh, you know, in. Uh, you know, a little <laughs> coffee to me was, you know, in a, in a little Lutheran church basement, you know, where they, they, they put in this massive pot, you know, they put like one little, you know, you got scoop. these little, little old ladies putting one tiny little scoop of, of crappy, <laughs> like Folgers, you know, into this massive pot of coffee. And it's uh, sort of, it's sort of tan colored water. It was just, you know, and a, lot, and a lot of water, a lot of water. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, the first time I tried Cuban coffee, probably, oh, I don't know, fifteen years ago, was it was a revelation. It, it yeah, I because I, I for the first time in my life, I actually tasted coffee beans. The fl- absolutely, yeah, you know, and the and it, it's it's a lot like cigars in that you know. So for me, when again when we grew up, um, got whole beans that were already roasted, um, but we would grind them ourselves. Um, in the old fashioned grinder, oh, the hand crank, the hand crank grinder, yeah. and and uh, you know that, and we could taste the beans. My my dad was a fan of both Colombian and Ethiopian beans, mm-hmm. and um, but when I had Cuban coffee, it was the most perfect medium body bean flavor that I, I still have uh, have had. So Ethiopian and Cuban are my two favorite coffee beans, but I rarely get a chance to to do uh, Cuban. Next time, try Nicaragua. Nicaragua have a really good coffee too. Yeah, you know, and I and I'm pretty sure I've had Nicaraguan, but I don't remember it. But yeah, I will. Uh, I'll do that. We'll go to Nicaragua. All right, we'll taste we'll the co- we'll it. taste the coffee in Nicaragua. Yeah. yeah. Next time, uh, next time you guys are here in Miami, we we could go down here and some cafeterias here. We can get a nice little child for strong Cuba. Absolutely. Love it. So speaking of beverages, um, what, do, what are some of your favorite things to, to pair with a cigar, whether it's, whether it's good coffee or whether it's uh, uh, spirits or beer or, or even other beverages like tea and things like that? What do you I mean, like to drink with your cigars? I mean, coffee, of course, because it's almost every day, coffee mm-hmm. and cigar. But outside of that, Wine, scotch, and rum. But I that would be my three. Wine, scotch, and rum. There, I would go with these three. Is there a is there a particular kind of wine that you that you enjoy more? Well, yeah. Lately, I really enjoy California wine a lot. Mm. I used to be a big Spain wine. But now I'm getting more in the California wines. And then scotch, I really like my columns. That's my yeah. favorite. Yeah, it's not too heavy. It's a smooth, clean. Yeah. 
And we run, I mean, there's a lot of good runs out there. There really are. You guys are a rum drinker. Yeah. There's a really, really a lot of good rums out there. There are so many good rums on the market. One of the ones that uh, that a friend of mine turned me on to recently that I always saw on the shelf, but I never bought any. Uh, and he he brought some over, and it's it's uh, plantation rum uh, from plantation. Uh, from uh, Barbados, and the uh, the XO variety of their the plantation rum is outstanding. And not not terribly expensive either, so I recommend that a lot. Very nice rum. Try try Zacapa. Zacapa is really nice too. Oh yeah, Zacapa is very good. Zacapa rum, yeah. There's and a lot of good rums out there. Florida Cana from from Nicaragua is mm-hmm. very good as well. And yeah, for the price point, it's really hard to beat. Yeah. Now I'm getting the cocoa. You get a little cocoa yeah. from the. You know? I am. Yeah. Totally transition to cocoa. Well, let's um, let's shift gears. Let's transition mm-hmm. into our next. Uh, speaking of transitions, nice segue. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's. So so Garrett, thinking that you were not going to be here, I actually. Mm-hmm. So so normally we do our useless fact of the week, and then Garrett does numero de los muertos. Mm-hmm. And thinking that you weren't going to be here. I actually combined the two okay. into one. But if you have one prepared, I do. we'll do that also. But this, okay. So this, this useless fact of the week is actually uh, you know, combined with a, a little bit of a, a very strange statistic. Um, so how many people per year do you think in the United States are killed by sharks? <laughs> <laughs> wow. In the U.S.? Yeah, how many people on the United States shores are killed by sharks every year? It's got to be mostly East Coast. East Coast, probably more here than Florida, right? Yeah, mostly in Florida, I'm thinking. Um, Oh, wow. I'm going to go with... uh, I'm going to go with 20. Okay. What do you think, Rainier? Wow. Wow. Probably like twelve. Okay, that's a good guess. And how many people do you think every year in the United States are killed by vending machines? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you got to be really drunk to, <laughs> to be killed by a vending machine. Oh, wow. No, it's because for as long as I've been doing this segment. Um, that's a, a statistic that pops up Is quite it? a bit. Okay, I don't, I don't recall the number, but I'm gonna guess it's it's the same as sharks. Okay, so I'm gonna go with twenty again. I mean, if you want to move to bigger number, I... there's a lot 50. of dumb people in the U.S. Fifty. So every year in the United States, sixteen people are attacked. By sharks. Oh, attack! But on average, three only one person is killed every two years yeah. by a shark. It has to be so really low. Yeah. It's only 0.5 people every year are killed by sharks. Mm. And the number of people every year in the United States killed by vending machines, eight, is 2.18. Okay. So. <laughs> more people die. Four Actually, times, yeah, you get more people die. For, <laughs> four four times as many people die every year by vending machines as they do by sharks. 
and and of course, how did they get killed by the vending machine? Trying to shake out their yeah. thing. They try they try to move the thing around and shake it, and it falls on top of them. And, and then by it. Telling you, there's a lot of stupid people out there, man. Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so even though that's a little bit of a, a sort of numero de los muertos lights, yeah. let's let's go with our real uh, segment this week of numero, numero de, de los, los muertos. All right, this number is um, it's a little sad. But it is uh, 34 on average over the last three years. Okay. Prior to that, it was in the teens for many years. So over the last few years, 34 every year? 34 on average. But for a long time, it it was only 13? Yep, it It, was in the teens. Yeah. So that many people are killed by whatever this is every year. Correct. Wow. Wow. Is it is it just in the U.S. or is it worldwide? It is in <clears throat> it is in hmm. That's a good question. You don't know. Well, you're supposed to know. I am supposed to no, know. That's all right. the, uh, so that's a difficult question <laughs> to answer because. Um, these people don't always die in U.S. territory. What? Mm-hmm. Where? So they get. So that would be a big. That would be a big clue to this statistic. They don't. So they do they get sick from something here and die somewhere else? No. Oh, that's that's interesting. No. Um, uh, that's oh, that clue is just that that's going to be a killer. Um, so <laughs> I see what you killer, <laughs> killer. Huh, um, you're hilarious. So every week, Rainier, I try to um make my statistic um close to something in the the guests' world. Um. So if if Rainier was was a clue to our to our statistic, yeah. So this is something, Rainier. This is something you should be familiar with, but yet you have no idea what it is. But that's okay because I don't have a clue either. <laughs> um, idea either. We, need, we need another clue. I mean, something right. that's not gonna give it away. Um. They are trying to find that the grass is greener on the other side. They are trying to find? Yep. They're looking for a better life. Okay. Is is this about people or mm-hmm. some other kind of animal? No, people. People. Yep, this is people. people. But are you here? Is it? Is okay. Is this people who are trying to come here? Mm-hmm. So is it is it people who are 
on boats and rafts and things trying to make their way over from Cuba? Correct. Every year? Every year. <laughs> 34 people? Yeah. Every year? Every year. 34? Uh, 34 people die. So die. Um, wow. That's just the people that die. Um, last year, the Coast Guard counted um, just short of 4,000 um, Cubans trying to come from Cuba to to wow, Florida. That's that. Man, that's... And probably, how, and probably how many, you don't have the number, how many they get caught. So, well, those are all the people that got caught. Now, the, the death statistics are a combination between... Um, uh, both Cuba, uh, the Coast Guard, um, mm -hmm. and then another another agency. So who, it could it could also be a Coast Guard who, in attempt of rescue. Correct, gets killed. Okay. Maybe, um, maybe yes, no. That's a good. Uh, I didn't see that. Okay. Um, part of it, but uh, a lot of times, um, the the biggest thing is. Um, they'll have uh, some kind of a, a raft or even shipping containers that they'll try and drift, and people will run out of food. And the wow, the yeah. the the raft will take them further out into the ocean instead of instead of north north. Oh man, that's so. Um, that's not. You know, I mean, that's uh, I, I, I think a lot of people. That's, I remember, like, back in the day, like, used to see a lot of people in the 90s when the Cuba right. government opened, when the 90s, when the Cuba But I think first was in the 80s, when El Mariel. And then in the 90s, when Cuban government opened the borders and allowed people to come out, it was sad when you see the way they tried to come here to the United States. Mm -hmm. It is sad. It was yeah. really sad to see all these people living with, you know, a lot of kids with, with nothing. And actually not in the right conditions. You know, because you're talking about boats they made themselves. Yep. Wow. Actually, it's, it's a movie about that. It's really interesting movie, but at the same time, it's really sad. I see it's called, it's called Balseros. What does that mean? Uh, Balseros is the guy that usually we call here the Balseros, the guy that leaves Cuba, they came here in boats. Okay. Hmm. Man. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that it was, uh, so there's been an uptick. The last yeah, the, it sounds like years. the numbers have gotten a lot higher in the last few years. And so my question to you, Rainier, is in the last three years, do you, um, is there anything obvious within Cuba that's happening where you would now have a, um, a almost double the number of people that are trying to come to the U.S. from Cuba? I mean, uh, you guys know right now the policy change. I don't know if you guys know about that. There's come, uh, before it used to be uh, wet feet and dry feet. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Mm -mm. No, if you wouldn't mind sharing. So we, okay, okay. before it was like if you are a, a Cuban citizen, you can come to the United States and, and they give you just all the rights and the green card just the day you came here after a year you came here so right? they would they would grant asylum right away 
Exactly, yes. Just, just, just came here illegal and you got all the benefits. So right now it's not like that. Okay. Mm. So right now that changed and I think you need just the way I came here, right? So you need your family to be American citizens and they can give you a call and you can come here to the United States just legal. Okay. Oh. But, but the problem with but the problem with Cuba is it's been really tough for people to live there, you know? Bummer. Yeah, I suppose they, there's it's not cheap. It's not cheap to, you know, get money to travel. Travel's not inexpensive. Travel's travel's very expensive, especially uh, long, you know, I mean it's only it's less than 100 miles, but for, you know, for a family that their yearly income is fifteen dollars. You know, it's not necessarily easy for them to, uh, you know, gather together enough money to uh, make it all the way to the United States. Especially mm-hmm. if you've got a, you know, a large family with kids. Yep, it's not easy. No, there is no way you can come with that. Yeah. So that is this week's uh, numero de los muertos. Um, so a little bit, uh, Rainier, a little bit of a lightning round of questions. You know, quick. Quick answers, quick questions uh, about sort of things going on in the cigar industry uh, these days, um, and really all the time. If if you could give just one um, piece of friendly advice to a new cigar consumer, what would you say to them? Just to a consumer, just be open to your palate. And if you really are interested to learn about cigars, just go out there, smoke, ask questions, just be really involved if you really like it. That's the best advice I can get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and the same question, if if you could give one piece of friendly advice to cigar retailers, specifically shops, brick and mortar cigar shops, um, to the to the owners and the managers of those shops, what what piece of friendly advice would you give to them? Customer service. Say that again. Customer service. Mm. Oh yes, absolutely. Customer service. Yeah, that's is is so. Uh, let me expand on that a little bit. Is is that because I've seen myself and and not just in cigars, but in a lot of a, a lot of other. Um, service-oriented shops, uh, whether it's cigar shops or, you know, places where that used to be known for friendly one-on-one sort of hometown customer service, I've seen it disappear. I've seen it get worse in the last few years. Have you seen that in, in cigar shops? And what do you think, what do you think needs to be done to make that better? I don't know about that. Okay. Not really. I mean, when when I say that question, the customer service, yes, because like you say, it's not only in cigar business. Just think about outside the cigar business. Like every time you go to whatever place, you know, they, it's customer service. It's, it's, it's a really key in, in whatever business. Mm-hmm. Because I feel sometimes, I, I don't think in right now, like I'm owner of the company, I'm thinking about a, a consumer way. You like to go a place when you know you want to be nice and trip people well and you feel like you're home mm-hmm. yeah you want to be when you're a customer and you walk into a cigar shop for the first time 
maybe you're out of town, you're traveling for work, or maybe it's uh maybe you're new to cigar smoking and you go to a shop in, in your hometown that you've never been to before. The uh it's so important for the manager or the owner or whoever's working at that shop to spend some time talking to and getting to know that customer. Um and I hope that I hope that a lot of these these shops really take that to heart and spend you know it it takes 5 minutes to build a relationship with a customer mm-hmm. and it takes 30 seconds to destroy it you know if if a customer walks in your shop and you just sit there and keep watching your TV and um you know don't even so much as say hello to the customer the uh, you that that's all the time it takes 20 30 seconds to lose a customer forever but if you just spend 2 minutes or 5 minutes saying hello to a customer and talking to them yeah then you probably gained a customer for life well that's what i liked too uh last week renier we were live from one of our local brick and mortar shops and it was a a real you know breath of fresh air to listen to both, you know, the father-son talk about their experience of the retail business. But Luke, the son, you know, admittedly said, I'm not a tobacconist. You know, there's some some um, parts of this business and, and the tobacco business that I don't yet know and understand, but yet he's passionate about cigars, loves cigars, and he's honest with, you know, who he is. He's not trying to BS anybody or you know, Sally's just trying to share his passion. Yeah. And likewise, you know, the, the dad being honest about, you know, at first I just got cigars I liked and, you know, eventually I had to listen to my customers and what they wanted. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of stuff I want to see more in, in cigar retail. That was really cool. Yeah. Um. So Rainier also... There's a lot of things going on with, uh, like we've talked about a little bit. There's a lot of things going on with the FDA. There's a lot of things going on with uh, the big cigar trade show organization, the PCA, now that they're called the PCA. Um, if you could, uh, if you could give one friendly piece of advice to the people who are running the PCA, uh, what do you think you'd talk to them about? They, they they really got to figure out how to bring more retailers out to the to the show and the cigar. Something I'm really start realizing every year in the cigar show is less people, less people in the cigar show. So my piece of advice really, I, I don't want forever, they really have to figure out how to bring more retailers out to the show. That's yeah. one thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely it. Because they're the lifeblood of mm-hmm. the industry. The retailers who run the brick and mortar shops—they—they they really are. They're what keeps it all going. And uh, if they're if they're not at the show building those relationships, then uh, um, we just don't want to see it go in that direction. We want to see the place. We want to see the place filled with with uh, with retailers. Just uh, no more empty hallways. We want to see people all over the place. That's what that's what we want. Um, so notable smokables for the week. Um, I will jump right in and say that I smoked a cigar for the first time in, in a while, first time in a year, maybe two that I've smoked this cigar. Uh, it's one that I always enjoyed. Uh, the Placencia 
Alma del Campo. Oh, beautiful, yes. beautiful, tasty cigar. One that I enjoyed very much. Um, Garrett, what's something you smoked this last week that you love? You know, it's interesting. I smoked a Julius Caesar. Um, and I hadn't had a Julius Caesar in many years because um, for a long time, I, I was just under the opinion that, um, and I've had many over the years, but um, I felt like it was just a bit pricier than it needed to be for the cigar that I I remembered having. Yeah. Dude, uh, this particular one was a trade, so it was like two years old, and it blew me away. It was the first Julius Caesar. Nice. Where I was like, okay. Nice. Now I get it. So they age well. They age great. Okay. Good. That's good to hear. I haven't I haven't smoked a Julius Caesar in in quite a while. So yeah. Maybe that's something I can revisit. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, Rainier, do you smoke a lot of stuff outside of your own brand? And if you do, was there anything interesting that you liked recently? I mean, most of the time, I smoke my own stuff. Actually, last week, like you guys were talking about, I wasn't smoking apart as the chores, the 50-count cabinet. Mm. Yeah. And I, I remember I haven't smoked those in a while. And I smoked one. I have probably here 20 left in the box. That was a gift by a friend. And I was really enjoying those. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, those are ones I have to revisit too. Um, yeah, I have. I'm stubborn. I have boxes I'm unwilling to open, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm really so stubborn. Risky. Yeah, I know. Um, and I, I just had um, really just one more that was notable this week um, was uh, uh, the EP Carrillo. Uh, oh, I wrote it down. Uh, the Capa del Sol. From E.P. Carrillo. Um, very good cigar. I had forgotten all about it. so I'm I'm drawing a blank on you, that one. Have you not smoked that one? I'm not sure that I have. Okay. He, he has a lot of blends out there, so yeah. it's possible you haven't tried that one. Yeah. But it's one I enjoy a lot. Awesome. Well, and it's interesting uh, you brought up Partagas because uh, last week our friend Andrew brought up uh, Partagas Serie D. <laughs> and I was with uh, a buddy who had um, a handful of the the Partagas Serie D's and yeah, it's just a great cigar. It is good. It is good. If you get one that's got a good draw on it, then it's, it's yep. definitely, a, that's, 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 that's a tough part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's like every, every other, well, more than every other, unfortunately, you know, but yeah. uh, I did poke it. Did you? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Sometimes you have to, but yeah, but when, when those cigars have a good draw, they they really are very good. Lights out. Very good. Um, so a uh, couple programming notes just for some stuff that we have coming up in the coming weeks. Uh, next week on November 12th, Sean Williams from Cohiba mm. Cigars will be on the show. And the following week, uh, November 19th, Ben Holt from Dissident Cigars will be on the show. And then eleven twenty six, Mister Hector Alfonso Senior from Espinosa Cigars will be on the show. And then, uh, then we're into December. Can you believe it? We're into December. Uh, December third, uh, Miguel Chaudel from Crown Heads will be live on the show, talking to him, and excited for that. Um, Rainier, if you would please uh, give everybody a final sort of reminder 
where they can find out more about HVC cigars and where they can follow you on social media. Just Facebook, Instagram. Just on the website and just, I think right now it's really big in Instagram and Facebook. We are really out there. So I really, I connect every day with a lot of people to Facebook, Instagram. It's coming huge. So we got to keep fighting, guys. So, you know, right now it's, stuff what we have going on yeah with the fda with the government so i think so we got to keep firing yeah yeah that's absolutely true yeah. and and for us one of the biggest things is uh getting out there and educating the consumers Education. that's that's really important for us is getting out there and educating the consumers and that's that's really why we do this we want people to learn more about the 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 people that that make these brands run and the and the heart and the passion and the soul that goes into these, these great cigars and the stories behind them and the relationships that, that can be built around them. And it's, it's one of the most important things to us. So get out there and, and, and spend time in your local shops, guys, for those of you watching and listening, get out there to your shops, spend time, spend some of your money. And yeah, you will be amazed at the returns you get. You're going to build new relationships you're going to find cigars that are fantastic. Mm -hmm. There are so many great cigars on the market. And HVC is one of those brands that you will be absolutely blown away by. Here, if you're here in the Twin Cities area of Minneapolis, St. Paul, I know for a fact you can find the cigars uh, at Tobacco Grove, uh, which is a wonderful shop over on the west side. Uh, they have a very good selection of, of HVC products along with a lot of other great brands as well. Uh, so visit them. Uh, continue to spend time at your brick and mortar shops, uh, and, and just learn as much as you can about the products and about the people and about the process that goes into all of it. Um, if you guys have any questions, as always, hit us up on our website. You can send us an email directly from there. How about that cigar.com? Uh, thank you for watching live on Facebook and those of you watching after the fact on Facebook as well or on YouTube. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Mm -hmm. If you have been listening on the audio podcast platform, thanks while you're working out or driving down the road for listening and enjoying this broadcast with us. Um, and until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Take care, guys. Thank thanks, you. Guys. Thank you, you guys, for having the show.